0: Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, national multi-racial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. A college classmate asked me if you needed to have a college degree to be a guest on this podcast. The answer is no. This podcast and my current book, Get the Job Done, are designed to empower people to become more successful job candidates or employees. College isn't for everyone. It was definitely for me. Whether you go to college or not, acquiring skills and training are critical. For example, even prior to the onslaught of the pandemic, healthcare was a thriving industry. Doctors, nurses, x-ray technicians, physical therapists, assistants, and nurses' aides are are just a few of the possible healthcare careers. When we've transitioned through the pandemic that is COVID-19, our current healthcare heroes may need time off to recover mentally and emotionally, or they may choose to pursue another career. The aging baby boomer population will also need ongoing medical care and related support. When considering a career path to follow, don't overlook vocational careers, which include the building trades such as carpenters, plumbers, and electricians, also auto body and repair work, and personal appearance workers like barbers, hairdressers, makeup artists, and manicurists. These positions usually require on-the-job, hands-on training acquired through apprenticeship programs and community colleges instead of four-year academic colleges. Vocational programs neither cost as much as academic programs nor take as long to complete. So if college isn't for you, look into career training offered by technical and community colleges. My guest today is my niece. Erica Williams. Erica is a certified nurse's aide, a CNA. Welcome, Erica. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. on Beverly. Okay, Erica, you're a certified nurse's aide. How did you decide to become a CNA?
1: Well, I was working as a cocktail waitress in Atlanta and the money was good, but it wasn't consistent. And there were just certain times of the year where it was better than others, and I really wanted something that was consistent. I wanted to know that I could go to work for a certain period of time and get paid every week for the time that I worked. But I also did not want to have to go back to school for a long period of time to get this type of job. So I found certified nursing assisting. The course itself was maybe a six to eight week course, so it wasn't long. I was able to go to school during the week and I worked on the weekend, so it fit with my schedule. And in less than six months, I had my certification and I was able to go to work. And that's what I was looking for at the time.
0: So what was your motivation? And not only your motivation, but what about your educational background and training? What motivated you to become a nurse's aide as opposed to maybe a physical therapist assistant? Why a nurse's aide?
1: I had previously, when I first graduated from high school, I wanted to be a nurse. I had taken some classes in high school, actually, for nursing. And I was interested in that field. And I think I'm a very good caregiver. I'm I'm naturally very caring. And I think that it takes a certain type of person and a certain type of personality to take care of an older person, or it could be a younger person, just depending on what stage of life that they're in and what they need aid or assistance for. And I thought I was a good candidate for that. I thought that I was able to dedicate my time to it. I thought that it was something that I would take very seriously. And I just thought that it was a good fit for me. It wasn't, I could make my own hours. I could work certain shifts and I didn't have to I wasn't a morning person at the time. And so if I didn't want to be at work at five or six, seven o'clock in the morning, I didn't have to do that. I could work as many hours, little or small as I wanted to. And in the beginning, that was very good for me because I was still waitressing and that was my main source of income. But I knew that when the seasons changed or when the money was not what it was, that I could fall back on something. And I knew that if I went to work, I could fall back on this. And I thought it was something I would be very good at. My parents are significantly older than my friend's parents, if you will. My parents did not have me until they were in their 30s. So they're older and I wanted to know when they get older how I could take care of them and what I would need to do, what it looked like if I wanted to get a home health aide to take care of them what I needed to look for in that person. So that was my motivation for choosing to be a CNA as opposed to any other profession
0: at the time. What about additional training to become a certified nurse's aide? Did you acquire additional training beyond that? I didn't have the training that I needed to
1: become a certified nursing aide when I graduated. I had taken some minor courses. They were electives in high school where they taught you the basics of nursing, how to take temperatures, how to make the beds, how to do certain things, just to see if it was something, just to give you a feel for it, to see if it was something you really wanted to do moving forward. But when I went to get my certification for my CNA, I had to get the certification from an accredited school and I had to have certain a certain amount of clinical hours and I also had to pass the exam in order to actually get the certification.
0: I see. Now beyond the certification, did you acquire any other training? Yes.
1: When I first became a CNA I had to work in state for a minimum of two years and then I could travel, which was good because I come from a background of travelers. My mother, she travels for her business, so I was used to moving around. And I also noticed that the pay was completely different for travelers. There was definitely more perks to traveling. And so I worked in state for two years and then I began to travel. And about six months and to traveling, one of the nurses asked me if I was interested in getting my certification to pass
0: medication. When you say pass medication, do you mean give medication to patients? Correct. Okay. And so I did some research
1: and I found a course that I was able to take. The course was a week-long course, but it was long hours, 12-hour days. Every day I had to take a test when I was finished with the course. And if I passed the test once I was finished with the course, and the test consists of everything from what are the medical abbreviations for medication. What are the generic names for medication as opposed to the actual names of the medications? What medications can you not give together? Anything from that to if it says you hold something, what do you do? All types of questions dealing with the parameters of why you would give or hold this medication. What should you do if this happens? What is the process that you go through before you actually deliver a medication to a resident? How do you verify what that medication is, who that resident is, what time it's supposed to be given? And there was that test that was given to pass the course. And after you pass the course, then you have to take a test for the state. And you're given your test date shortly after you pass the course for the class and you take your test and maybe a week or two later, you get added on to that state's board and you can now pass medication in long-term care facilities or assisted living. You're now able to pass medication. And if you go online You can get reciprocity for your CNA in other states. In order to be able to pass medication in other states, you have to go to those states and test out for their requirements. And then you're able to move around because you can have your license in multiple states. And then you're able to travel around as a CNA and a CMA. And that's what I do now.
0: So you want to explain what reciprocity is?
1: Reciprocity is when you are able, when another state has given you permission to practice as whatever, it could be a nurse or it could be a CNA, it could be an LPN. You can practice your profession in that state. That means that we think that you are qualified enough to do your job in this state and that
0: state. Okay. That's just for clarification. I understand that while you were a cocktail waitress, you were in training to become a CNA. So you had what I call multiple income streams, more than one income stream. Correct. Is that something that you continue to do? You know, I see the benefit in that. I think that we miss an opportunity, especially when people are younger and they have the energy and the time, especially if they don't have a family, to work multiple jobs, to make ends meet or to make more money than they actually need at the time, but money that they can use for vacation or to put away to buy a home, to save toward buying a home, or just to have a rainy day fund. When you look at today, in this pandemic, people are not in a better position than many people are not in a better position than they were almost 10 years ago during the Great Recession, as they refer to. People lost their jobs and they weren't able to take care of their family. And it was devastating for so many individuals. And now, because of this global epidemic, we find ourselves in similar positions through no fault of our own. And it's very distressing. Having more than one income, especially in an industry like a healthcare industry, can help you get over the hump, as you say, if you can grind it out. You want to continue on
1: that? Especially when you're younger. And I'm pretty sure if I became a CNA five, 10 years ago, I'd have so much more energy and I would be able to work so many more hours. I would physically feel up to doing more things so that I can save more income or do whatever it is I do with the disposable income or indisposable income. I think that to me, I have always, since I started working as a teenager, I have always had more than one source of income or more than one job. I could be working at two different clubs. I would be working at a club and at a group home or at a long-term care facility. I've always appreciated having more than one income. And the way things are now, if you don't have a certain level of education, and by certain level, I mean higher level of education, one income is really not going to take care of you yourself, let alone you and a child, or if you are head of household to take care of your partner and a child, it's very difficult. Most people can't do it by themselves just off of what they bring in. By themselves, without assistance from somewhere, whether it be a family member or government assistance, so I think that it's it's very crucial that you have more than one income or more than one job. I also think that it's important not only from the financial aspect. I think that some jobs or some professions. Sometimes what is required of you can infringe upon your well-being mentally or physically. And I think when you're not depending upon one income, it gives you the opportunity to say, listen, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is not going to work for me or my family or my mental state of mind. And so what I'm going to do is give you your two week notice, but I still have another source of income so that everything can still
0: move smoothly. Well, that's good if you can afford to do that, but I don't recommend that anybody quit a job until they have another job or they can land comfortably without having that. Without, correct. Everybody knows what their circumstances are. We're not advocating quitting your job because you don't feel that. Because you don't. No, definitely not. Definitely not.
1: Don't wake up one day and just say, oh, you know what? I don't think so. No, definitely not.
0: No. Okay. I wanted to make that clear. What do you like about the career you've chosen?
1: I love the fact that I am able to travel. I love the fact that I'm able to meet new people. I have really gotten some relationships or met people that I have formed strong relationships with in this profession, and it's been very beneficial as well. I like the fact that I can meet people from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds, culturally, race. I like that. I like the fact that I'm able, because I go from different places, I'm able to learn new tricks of my trade. I feel like every time I get a new assignment, I learn something new all the time. I learn another way of doing something, a better way of doing something. And it just betters me and makes me better at my job. And I really like
0: that and I really
1: appreciate
0: it. That's great. So now, Erica, you grew up in Georgia, but now you're living in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. Was it difficult for you to make that transition from Georgia to South Dakota? And did your family encourage you to do it? It wasn't
1: difficult to me because I was single. I didn't have any children. So it wasn't difficult for me to up and say, hey, moving on. My family was very supportive because they saw it as an opportunity for me to, to do better for myself they encouraged me and they were extremely supportive. The only thing that was difficult for me personally was the weather going from Georgia to South Dakota. To South Dakota and it was also somewhat of a culture shock because things are just completely different. They're two completely different sides of the United States and the way they do things in South Dakota is just not the way you do things in Georgia. And I was exposed to things that I wouldn't have been exposed to in in Georgia, but they were good experiences. It's, it, it has not been bad. I'm still here. I like it here.
0: But that the biggest thing for me would probably have been the weather. I'm sure. So now, Erica, you're pursuing other interests. What are they?
1: Yes, I am. I am currently working on getting my YouTube channel off and going. It is up, but I'm working on getting some more followers and just putting more time into it to make it what I want it to be. I am also looking into starting a podcast and I am also looking into starting a wig line. I'm able, with the way my schedule is set up, I'm able to focus on making my dreams come true and I'm able to take care of myself at the same time. And that's probably the number one thing that I really do love and appreciate about my job is that I am able to work and take care of myself and I'm able to pursue other things as well.
0: So now your makeup, do we call that your passion or do you plan to turn that into another income stream? It's both. It is a passion that I plan to turn into another
1: stream of income for sure. It is definitely something that I'm very passionate about. It's something that I really love doing. When I started my channel, I wanted originally, when thinking about starting the channel, I knew that I was able to do the makeup, but I wanted it to be different in some shape, way, or form than other channels because the business is definitely saturated. But I wanted to have something that would set me apart. So a part of my YouTube video is a motivational portion. The name of the channel itself is Mirror Messages. And at some point in the video, I, whether it be I talk about my journey and how I got to the mirror message, or I relay a message that's basically to the man in the mirror that motivates you to keep going or lets you know that you're human and that everything is going to be okay. I think that one of the most beneficial things that we have in life that we all have is our stories. And I feel that a lot of people you never know who you can reach and who you can help with your story. And I think that that's important and and I feel like that's what sets my my channel apart from other channels. Yes, there's makeup and if you are a lover of makeup then you will like it. I think it's entertaining and I think the makeup looks are great. But Also, you are human and you never know how you can influence or help someone by telling them
0: what's going on in your mind. Well, that's interesting. I know you're good at makeup. Now what about the wigs? I didn't know about the wigs.
1: I originally started playing in wigs, I want to say back in maybe two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. I was making them by hand and I've recently graduated to making them on the sewing machine. I want to find a good distributor of hair so that I can have a good product and I want to perfect my craft. The same way I picked up a makeup brush and I didn't start my channel for maybe seven years after I started doing makeup with myself, just learning how to do it on myself. I want to perfect my craft before I send it out into the world. But it is also something... I'm very passionate about beauty in general. I'm very passionate. I'm learning how to do my own nails, given the circumstances, which I've gotten pretty good at. I like making wigs. When one of my girlfriends saw mine, she asked me if I could make her one. And that just made me feel like, oh my goodness, really? You would buy this? Okay. But I still want to perfect upon my craft. But I'm very much so into all of that. And I'm very much so into doing it yourself, teaching you how to do it for yourself. You can use it as a way to save money or make money.
0: Well, sounds like you're an entrepreneur. Yes. Good.
1: (laughs) My (laughs) mother was an entrepreneur, so it definitely just handed down from one generation to the next generation. I definitely got it from her. I understand that.
0: Now Erica before we end this discussion what advice would you give anyone listening about choosing a career
1: When it comes to choosing a career don't do it if you don't want to do it because if you don't want to do it you're not going to do it you're not going to be into it you're not going to dedicate the time that you need to dedicate to it it's just something for you to and it, at some point you'll even dread the fact that you have to do it when it comes to your career if it is not something that you want to do, I wouldn't suggest you do it because you're not doing anything but wasting your time and your employer's time. You're not going to do the job
0: that you should be doing or that you would be doing if it was something that you really wanted to do. Well, you know, sometimes people don't have a choice. Depending on personal circumstances, You people may take a person takes a job because the job was offered and they didn't have one. They may hate getting up, going to work every day, but they have obligations. Even if they don't have a family, they have to take care of themselves. You know, when you're when you're an adult, you have adult responsibilities. I agree with
1: that. I think that's the reason why I put emphasis on the career, because to get a job. I feel like you do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. So if you need a job, by all means, get a job and do what it is that you need to do to take care of yourself and your family and what have you. But when it comes to what you plan to do for a long period of time with your life, I wouldn't suggest that you do something that is just really not of you. No, I understand that. Do you miss Georgia? I miss the weather. But no, I don't miss Georgia. And I especially don't miss being in South Dakota right now and looking at Georgia right now. No, I am not missing that right now.
0: Now, how has the pandemic affected you, Erica?
1: Or has it? It hasn't. I was just talking to my mother about this the other day. It really has not affected me. And I think that's really unfair because I can sympathize and and empathize with what people have going on, but I'm not in the house. I can go to work. I'm an essential worker, so I'm able to get out of the house and go to work. I'm able to get fresh air. I think that it's even difficult on the residents that I take care of because they can't come out of their room. They can't come out of their living spaces for the most part. As a safety precaution, for all the other residents.
0: You're working at a nursing home?
1: Yes. I'm working at an assisted living facility now.
0: Okay. So now the, I think the Smithfield plant was shut down in- That was in Sioux Falls. And you were in Sioux Falls before, but where are you now? I'm
1: now, I'm in Rapid City. Okay. So I'm about five hours away from Sioux Falls. Okay. So it hasn't reached there yet? In the county that I am in right now, we currently have 11 cases. whereas Minnehaha County, which is where Sioux Falls is, I think they're up to like 2,400 cases now. Wow. And I don't know if it will because it definitely can come here. But as of right now, I just have not. I wear a mask and gloves when I go to the store. That has changed. You don't wear that at work? We do wear them at work, but we definitely wear a mask and glove at work, but we don't have any cases. So we have what we need in case we get a case. But I'm certain that when I go to work in Rapid City and when a nurse goes to work in Sioux Falls and she knows that a resident is definitely positive for uh, COVID-19, I'm sure it's different. I've been fortunate enough to not have to experience that as well. And because I am in healthcare, most people are getting paid more than what they were getting paid before because they're essential and, and we're needed. Regardless of if there is a case or there's not, we need you to come to work. We need to rely on you. We need you to be reliable. We need you to come to work and we need you to be responsible and take care of yourself while you are not here so that
0: you can come here. Well, that's a difference. I knew it was five hours difference between Sioux Falls and where you are now. I didn't realize that there were that few Mm virus cases. Mm -hmm. I want you to be safe. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before we end?
1: Other than make sure you go get a copy of Get the Job Done by Beverly Williams.
0: Uh (laughs) What's the name of your YouTube channel
1: again? The name of my YouTube channel is Mirror Messages, and you can also find it if you search my name, Erica McKenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E,
0: and i look forward to seeing you erica thank you so much i hope to see you soon i don't know when i won't be in south dakota <laughs> I, I never i never understood what you were doing out there but you know you do you but dear thank you so much for doing this i know this is um information that many people can use thank you and hopefully you won't be you won't have any more COVID-19 cases than you have now. Be safe, dear. I love you. Thank you. I love you, too. Thank you for thanking me. Thank you for having me. Really. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support, and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at BA Williams at Your Employment Matters.com. My book Get the Job Done is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences.